Welcome, my name is Florence Wenmore. I'm a junior doctor working in East London. I'm currently working as an education fellow and a geriatrics fellow. So I'm really excited to be here today and what we hope is going to be the first of a series of um, podcasts on sustainable healthcare, climate change and health and how all these interact. And to kick, kick off this, um, we're going to be starting this first episode with a conversation with Jyoti Baharani, who's a, he's a renal physician in Birmingham, um, who's a, is a more of a newcomer to this and, and kind of just explore why, as a senior clinician working in the UK, in the NHS, why, why this is a topic that, that she should be or could be interested in um, and kind of how could she learn more and where we can go from here in terms of sustainability in the NHS. Hi Florence, thank you for um, speaking to me today. So hello everyone, my name is Josie Baharani. I'm a centre for the college and I'm also a kidney doctor in Birmingham. So Florence, um, like everyone else, I try and do my bit for the environment. I certainly try and recycle where I can and I always tell my children to make sure that they put anything that has a recycling sign on it in the recycling bin. But I probably don't do as much as I possibly could at work because I think I'm only a small cog in a very big wheel. Um, and perhaps, you know, I don't see um, sustainability as something that, you know, I can bring into my working life. So to start off with, um, I suppose, you know, if you could maybe tell me why sustainability is something that I should care about as working, you know, as working as a consultant in the NHS. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think I really relate to that position that you're talking about. And I, I definitely used to, I, that was definitely how I came, came into Smitten. I came actually into Smitten thinking that I was going to be a academic neurologist and that was going to be my, that was my aim, my ambition from kind of first and second year. But I was also interested a little bit in the environment, but very much from a, um, from that kind of recycling, thinking about polar bears and so on. And I think I can really remember actually in first year of uni trying to um, persuade my housemates to recycle. And I put above our bin, like a, a sign with a, a penguin on saying, think of the penguins. And I think when we think of that, it's really easy. You know, then you go and work in the NHS and you put all of these pressures to think, OK, that's something really separate and something that's, that's really separate from my role as a, as a doctor. Um, but I think actually it was kind of learning about the social determinants of health in, in at medical school, kind of in the later years, that really changed and had a bit of a shift in my thinking, thinking, actually, you know, this thing that I care about otherwise, you know, the thing that I'm thinking about outside of, of uni and, and beginning to think about work, does really matter to health. And, you know, yes, we've got all these social determinants of health, but also, you know, we've got this great kind of looming thing that is the... the the environmental impact on how um, how that's going to impact on health and it was about the time of the um there was a big heat wave in europe that year which um i think there were seventy thousand deaths across europe that summer um from this heat wave and it was all in the news and everything and it kind of just really and at about the same time as the ipcc report was coming out which is this big kind of this big report on climate change and health and i just really put the two together and thought actually this is part of my role as a doctor this is you know, this is a thing that's going to really impact, and, and you know, you, it's, going to, it's already starting to impact people's health. But actually, if we don't do something about it, it's going to have an even bigger impact on on people's health um, in the future. So this actually, 
isn't separate to me as a doctor. This is this is integral to my role that we should be doing something about it. See, you make a good point there, Florence. We should all really care about what we do. But if you give me some sort of examples, you know, how I can perhaps make the medicine that I practice more sustainable and what should I be telling the people around me? Yeah, so I think um, the first thing to do is, is um, so you mentioned what you should tell the people around you. I think, you know, having an idea that um, this is a health crisis is, is the first thing to, to kind of be persuasive to other people. And um, I think having some idea of all the different ways that, so I mentioned heat waves just now as, as a kind of way that, that um, the, the, the climate is impacting on health, but actually that's not the only way. And, and there's kind of huge amounts, you know, from in ongoing heat waves. And, and when we're recording this, it's just after the um, uh, there's been a big heat wave in Canada and, and North America uh, last week. You know, again causing more deaths, but also um, the more indirect ways. So the changing nature of infectious diseases. So um, we're getting the spread of Lyme disease in the UK has been has been linked to climate change, increasing incidence, um, spreading of, of chikungunya and, and dengue in, in Europe. Um, so diseases that, that that previously we weren't seeing or, or we're seeing very rarely. Um, and there's a really nice example of in malaria of um, in Ethiopia. You can kind of see as, as the climate warms that um, in the Ethiopian highlands, you didn't used to get um, malaria because the, the climate was the, was too cool. But as climate change is already happening, they can tra track that the malaria mosquito is living at ever higher altitudes in those. Um, and then there's all the kind of ecosystem, the kind of socially mediated effects, sorry, which is, is you know, how all of this, you know, increasing um, changes in weather, weather patterns, changing in, in um, sort of, uh, people's ability to grow crops, um, you know, malnutrition, all of that leads into poverty, into having impacts on people's so mental health, on, so, you know, a lot. So I'm saying these things is very negative, and I'm really aware that sometimes you can hear these and be like, okay, God, that's all too much. But I think it is sometimes useful to frame it as a health problem, um, as I said before, because um, I think otherwise people can switch off a little bit. Um, and then your next question, I think, was what can you do? There's three different sort of ways that I would uh, frame how we can think about taking action. So there's, there's action you can take in your personal life and, and you mentioned recycling um which is very good um, but there's also other impacts you know sometimes that's about thinking about where where does our current carbon footprint come from um where what what make changes i can make in my personal life um which will reduce my carbon footprint and there's loads of tools out there and, and information that can you can get about it and then there's what you can do at work. And, and the first thing that you can do at work is, is using your voice. Have you heard of this, this um, Ipsos Mori poll they do every year of who's the most trusted professional? Have you, have you heard of that? Yes, I have, yes. Yeah. And nurses already always come out top and then doctors come out second. So they ask the general population, you know, who do you most trust to tell the truth? And we always come out, you know, second, the healthcare professionals as a, as a whole kind of um, come out um, really highly. So 
it's how can we use that voice to speak to other people about this you know framing this as a health problem and then saying look you guys trust us in the public trust us to tell the truth um so how can we uh, speak about this to to the general public to populations or to whoever we have influence on so you know if you're working in a trust and you're a senior commission how can you trust to talk to your uh, CEO, to your commissioners and say, look, what are we doing about this? You know, this is this is a problem. This is a problem that's a health problem. How are we having an impact on that? Um, and, and what actions are we going to take? So, 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 Florence, first to ask you, you know, I'm trying to convince somebody, you know, and they say to me, I'm really busy. What would I say to them? How can I let them know how bad the carbon footprint or the environmental impact of the NHS or healthcare is, is you know, in this current day and age? Yeah, it's really big. It's um, the UK carbon footprint, sorry, the NHS's carbon footprint is uh, 4% of the total, just a, there's different estimates, but the most recent one that's come out is 4% of the total UK carbon footprint, which is the equivalent of the country of Croatia. So everything that happens in Croatia <laughs> the NHS's carbon footprint is the equivalent of that, which the Croatia's got a population of four million people. Um, and we account for three and a half percent of all the road traffic on the roads in England. So that's you know, that's having a direct impact. That's having an impact on, on climate change, but also a direct impact on, on the air we breathe. So people driving to and from hospitals to go to work or to you know, visit relatives or to attend appointments is in itself having a negative impact on health through the air pollution. So how can we start to to rethink how we practice healthcare um, because of that? And the other sort of high impact areas is a, a really good report if, if people want to read more um, produced by the Greener NHS team or the Net Zero Carbon Report that looks at those high impact areas. And, and lots of them are actually down to us as clinicians. So I think traditionally sustainability Lots of trusts have done stuff on it, but it's sat within the estates looking at heating and um, waste and so on. All really important. But actually, now the bigger carbon footprint comes from the medicines we prescribe, the equipment that we use, and then a few kind of niche areas, such as, um, not niche, sorry, they're quite big, but uh, <laughs> quite kind of particular things that have a high impact, which include um, anaesthetic gases and uh, metered dose inhalers. So metered dose inhalers are the ones that we're all kind of really used to using. The ones we, at medical school, we all have to learn how to tell someone how to do it and, and the ones you attach to a spacer. Um, but they make up on their own three and a half percent of the whole NHS carbon footprint from that. Um, but there's something we can do about that, which is really good, is that there's an alternative that you can use a dry powder inhaler, um, which has a much, much smaller carbon in, impact. The, the, a meter dose inhaler, one of those kind of standard salbutamol ones, is per inhaler is the equivalent of a car journey from London to Sheffield, whereas a, a dry powder inhaler is the equivalent of driving four miles in that that's carbon footprint. So a huge difference. Um, so those are some particular hotspots um, within the NHS. So I mean, certainly sounds like you know we can all do our little bit to help the environment and help sustain sustainability. Can you give me some practical examples, perhaps, you know, where you've made a difference in your current place of work? Um, so I can give some examples of, of projects that others have, have been involved in, um, which I think are really, some of them are really powerful. So um, 
one of the um, one of the ITU nurses working at my trust um, it's really interesting she's come she worked in Singapore previously and in Singapore you pay for all of your healthcare, including every, any equipment that you use um, and then when she came to the to work in the NHS she was like she couldn't really believe the waste you know obviously she you know really values and we all really value that the NHS is free at point of access and, and that we don't have to think about the cost of every cannula and someone you use um, but actually it means sometimes that we we just don't think about it enough um, and so the, one of the projects she's doing is is looking at what gets thrown in the bin in, in ITU and um, so when someone comes in a patient is admitted to intensive care um, they will stock a trolley in the patient's room or by the bedside um, with you know, things that they might need to have them as a kind of easy access but actually if that patient's then got uh, an infectious disease you know a transmittable disease such as their MRSA positive or they develop C. diff or something when the patient gets discharged from ITU everything that's left in that trolley just has to go in the bin enormous waste and so really simple of an intervention she's just sort of working with the nurses on that ward and saying okay you know yes it's yes it's important to have some things by the bedside um but actually let's be a bit sensible about what we're putting in there because you know if we're throwing throwing away 10 cannulas when someone goes home so we're a massive waste of money or when they're discharged from ITU massive waste of money and there's also a carbon footprint of that you know from the that all of those cannulas have to be manufactured somewhere they have to be packaged they have to be transported you know there's that whole process that we're perhaps not seeing and then we're just putting them straight in the bin without using them so that's I think another one really nice example um another one is um an f2 that I worked with uh, was often his GP placement um and he'd uh, been a bit interested in this and this uh, I think this is where I'm really like this example partly because it, it shows the power of talking to other people about this so I um, I spoke at the F1 induction and I just and this is an area that I was kind of newly interested in um, at the time and I'd done a bit of research and a bit of reading and read about those inhalers um, and I spoke at their induction and um, you know just a quick 10-15 minute uh, presentation to them saying this I think it's important and he came up to me after and said oh this would be really something I really like to get involved in and I said okay well I, you know one of the things that is big is the inhalers um, and he went off and he was doing a spiritual job and he tried to change and it's, it's difficult being an F1 to try and change something at a trust but he stuck with it and um, when he went to his GP practice in his F2 job um, he worked with that GP surgery and they had a very high rate of prescribing the MDI inhalers um, and so he put in place a QI project to to get patients working with patients to switch them over to, to a dry powder inhaler um, and massively have a huge impact at that that GP surgery um, and sort of you know also you know, working with the, the existing infrastructure so you know at people's asthma reviews let's talk to them about it um, so yeah, so that's, uh, to me, I, I mean, I was really, really pleased with that because it just showed that although you can't do everything yourself, once you start talking to people about it, then you can kind of trigger this like positive cycle of, of people taking action. Um, and, and that gives me a real kind of hope that, you know, and especially that just speaking to younger, speaking to medical students, speaking to, to junior doctors just starting, um, 
lots of them will have lots of really good ideas. It's just about giving people, almost giving people permission to, to take action. Um, and if you speak to them and they'll say, oh, well, I, you know, I think that this is really wasteful that we can do. So how could we change that and, and kind of supporting other people to, to take that action? That's really great, Florence. I mean, I think you've illustrated that it doesn't matter how big or small, every little counts. Um, but, you know, for the cynics, they'll sort of say to me, I'm only one person. What do I say to them? How much of, you know, the NHS needs to change before we can make a significant difference to the environment? So we already are making a significant difference. And actually, some of that behind, behind the scenes work is really massively I mean, hugely decreased our footprint. But I think we all, every action you take, you know, has a ripple effect and a real positivity. And even if it is just a conversation with somebody, then those conversations each kind of trigger something else. You know, they will, they may, that person may not take an action straight away, but they'll, that will go somewhere and they'll be thinking, okay, next time I do that, maybe I could do that. And, um, so I think that that's the first thing to say. And the other thing to say is that find other people who are interested in this. I think this would be impossible if you're just doing it on your own. But nobody expects any, anyone's person to do everything. Um, but actually, so it was really, I have a real hope. So sometimes I, yeah, as I said before, sometimes this stuff gives me real anxiety. I just think, oh, my God, where, where are we going to? ever change anything or it's just the problem can seem insurmountable but then I find other people who are taking action and that makes me feel so much better about it because you find a group of people who are all working together and and um and thinking about the same thing and, and together you can have so much more of an effect and and actually you know, to, to people listening to say that that doesn't matter who you are to have that. So I've given some examples of, of you know, an FT doing a project, um, one of the nurses, um, one of our IT nurses, and and actually anybody can can start the conversation on this. And, and my kind of journey of having of being really active on it actually just started with. So I was working at a district general hospital in my CT one year, as it used to be. I guess IMT one now. Um, and I've been thinking about this for a while and thinking, you know, as I said before, it had been playing on my mind that we needed to take action. But I just, on my own, I felt it was a bit too difficult. But I spoke to a colleague and I said, and we you know, realised that we were both interested in this and said, OK, well, why don't we do a grand round about it? Um, and just that grand round was a real trigger to lots of other further conversations. Um, and loads of people came, you know, once you start talking about it, then you realise that lots of people are thinking the same thing. Uh, so, so Florence, um, you know, you have given me a lot of information, but how does this translate into um, improved care for my patients? I guess it can be difficult because um, a lot of the things that we're talking about, we don't, won't necessarily see, we won't necessarily know which patient in front of us is there because of the hot weather, because there's a heat wave at the moment he wouldn't be there otherwise um, but what you can see it much more clearly in is something is air pollution which is not exactly the same as, as kind of climate change but is really closely linked and is another sustainability issue um, and you hear the, num the number kind of 40,000 deaths a, a year in the UK and um, which actually came out of a Royal an RCP report um, but again that that number can be quite kind of uh, difficult to imagine because you don't know which of your which of 
your patients as one of those 40,000, which would have not been there because of air pollution still. But then there are some examples where um, it's much more stark, much starker, and you can see it. So I think lots of people here will have heard of of Elikisi Deborah, who is really tragically is a was a little girl who lived near the South Circular in in London and um, died from a, a fatal asthma attack. Um, and she, after actually quite a long campaign, had from her amazing mother, amazing campaigner, um, has had air pollution named on her death certificate as the cause of her death. Um, and there was a big, the, the coroner's report came out of that and saying that you know, this is something that um, we need to start talking to our patients about because what her mum says is that there's no one spoke to her about air pollution. No one said this could be the cause of her, her patients, of her daughter's asthma and, and therefore not giving her the chance to do something about it. Um, and it was really highlighted to me recently. So I work in East London where we have very poor quality air and I was on nights the other day with one of the A&E regs um, and we had a patient we thought might have carbon monoxide uh, poisoning and he was saying that, that one of the other hospitals in East London in, in Newham, when a patient gets admitted, so normally you have a carbon monoxide, hypoxicarbon hemoglobin level that you'd expect in a smoker is higher than in a non-smoker. But in newer, um, the, the levels you'd expect in a non-smoker are those that you'd expect in a smoker in a different area. Which just to me is really shocking and I guess highlights a couple of different things. One, that like this is something we are seeing and, and know all the different ways that air pollution is going to be impacting on, on those people's health um, you know, in the same way that smoking does, or similar way. Um, but also that this is a real equity issue. So th those people, Newham is, a, is one of the more deprived boroughs in, in London and, and deprived local authorities in, in the UK. And so it's those people who are suffering and often those people who contributed least to the problem who who are having the biggest health impacts. So this is a health issue, but it's really also a massive health justice issue. You know, the people, and that's true worldwide, like people who are going to suffer most from climate change, the people living in low income countries who've already not, you know, already suffered from health and have really contributed nothing. So I think you know, the other kind of spur to action for me is that, um, that that we, you know, as people who are relatively privileged, you know, all of us working as doctors in the UK, you know, we, we kind of have a responsibility as, as people who are, uh, you have that privilege to take action. I had that real change of, um, a viewpoint when I kind of realised how big, um, how much the environment was was a cause of ill health, and you know the more I read about it, the more I kind of, it's just so huge, and and you know the fact that that this isn't at the forefront of everybody's minds, you know that the the scale of of what the potential health impacts are you know, how devastating it will be for people's health, like in the UK and, and even more so around the world. To me, it's really hard not to take any action. Like, it's just, it is the, the greatest health threat of the 21st century, which sounds mad to say, you know, given what we've just all been through with COVID, but it is, it's, it's you know, 
it is already having an impact on people's health and yet we're still adding carbon to the atmosphere and so we kind of have to take action there's, there's you know we can't not um but then just linking that to covid you know on a slightly separate point there that also just shows us how much we can change as a healthcare service over the last 18 months we've just been through an enormous change not that you know we'd ever want to do that again but it just shows us that you know we've talked about small changes and large changes um but it just shows us when we all come together how much we can change thank you very much Florence <laughs> thank you thank you Jotty. i hope that uh Jody, so i hope that this has yeah, persuaded you and i hope that it helps you feel hopeful that there's something that we can do about this but you know this is a, an issue and it's an issue for us as it certainly, it certainly, you know, um, opened um, a lot of avenues that I can use, not just on a theoretical basis, but practical basis, and something for me to, you know, share with my team. Um, so, yes, a, a lot of food for thought. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and yeah, we really look forward to, to hopefully recording more of these um, and to chat more. Thank you.